look around at this great city of ours, what do you see? I see a multitude of amazing people. Over the next hour, Bill Wilson will talk to some of these amazing people about topics that interest you and give you just what you need to kick off your week with a dang on the Mr. Murfreesboro Show. Good evening, everybody. This is Mr. Murfreesboro, Bill Wilson. Thank you for joining us on this dreary Sunday night here in, I think that's how you say it, dreary. Dreary. Shop at Drury's. Yeah. Sunday night here on the Mr. Murfreesboro Show. We're here at WGNS 1450 AM and uh, 101.9 FM Talk Radio. You'll be able to watch us live on Facebook as well. At the uh, at Mr. Murfreesboro, you can also tune in if you're listening around the world at wgnsradio.com. We're also a podcast, so you can go back and watch it. Go to Apple and other places like that. Kelsey, my co-host, is here. How are you, Kelsey? I don't know who Kelsey is. I'm Lady. I mean, K. Lady K. <laughs> Lady K is here. I'm sorry. I'm going to start charging you. <laughs> Lady K is here. Bucks. How are you doing? I'm good. I had a very productive weekend. Did you? I did. Well, or with kids or how? With what else everything. The house is clean. The kids are alive. <laughs> the kids are alive. That's a, that's a big one right there. There's four of them. It is a them. big deal. What are their ages? Mm-hmm. Uh, 12. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, they're 18, <laughs> 16, 10, and 2. Wow. I said 2. 2 years old. And then... Uh, so I guess Mark's watching them right now, right? I hope so. <laughs> Mark, just a reminder, you're watching the Mark. kids right now. <laughs> Get off the Xbox, Mark. Um, I'm excited about tonight's show because last week we had uh, the Republic people. If you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but we have a landfill here. <laughs> it's called uh, Mount Trashmore out in Walter Hill that we had the gentleman on from Republic. and he, Mike Classen? Mike Classen. He, he was classy. He was. Yeah, and we're going to, and, and let me just say this for all the, the uh, people who are upset about the landfill. Nobody wants landfill, but anyway, it's been here for 30 years or so, maybe 40 years. And uh, we're going to, I've invited uh, Mayor McFarland and Mayor uh, Joe Card to come on the show, so we'll get that worked out sometime. They may or may not. I think we're still talking. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, sometimes I get into it with people. Sometimes. What? Yeah, even me. Um, introduce our guest because I'm excited because this is way over my head. I, you know, me too. Biology. I'm, I've got the words like written out so I can pronounce them. And no, I don't. I'm like, I mean, I did graduate <laughs> from college. I mean, it took me eight years, but I did graduate. You know, James talks about perseverance in the, in the word that uh, <laughs> to, to keep trying. It builds character. And it builds the personalities, and that's why I'm sitting here. Uh-huh, Kelsey, uh-huh. introduce our guest, please. We have Dr. Ryan Otter. He is a professor at MTSU of biology, and he is also the director of the Data Science Institute at MTSU. Wow. He's he's fascinating. He happens to be my neighbor, and it's 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 fun. Good back porch. Good talk. evening, everybody. <laughs> even got a radio voice. Here. I've been trying it all week. This is have you, been, this is like the pinnacle of. Have you been standing in the mirror with your brush, like? Pretending? I've been recording my voice for years just to 
for this moment. Just for this Make sure it's going to be okay. Is this the first time you've been on radio? No. <laughs> but this is the best I've ever sounded, though. Yeah. <laughs> this first time you've been on WGN. It is, yeah. Okay, yep. so there we have it. And that's the first time you've ever been on radio, son. The, the real radio. <laughs> Everything else is just the pregame. So, and if anybody wants to uh, text in, you can text me at 615-406-5872. Um, or you can message us questions there on Facebook as well. And we hope that y'all will enjoy the show. Uh, and if anybody knows the score of the Cincinnati game, you can text that to me. Cincinnati, I don't have any money riding on it, but I have a. I just pulled a real nice Joe Burrow card. If he wins, the, the card, the price goes up. Nice. So, anyway, nice. Um, give so, us, who, who are you, man? Yeah, I, we need never, a bio. Yeah, give us your bio. Oh. Where are you from? So, born and raised in South Detroit. Um, Rock City. Born and raised in South Detroit. That is my <laughs> anthem, especially through that lyric. I agree. Um, yeah, born and raised there. My family still lives there. And, um, yeah, I lived in a place that's kind of weird because it was super blue collar and you didn't, people didn't go to college. You could, but it wasn't necessary. There was the big three auto industry there. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I kind of grew up just kind of blue collar town and um, was I it went close to, to Pontiac, Michigan? Is yeah, South Dearborn. All so, the- yep, Dearborn's north of where that's at, kind of around downtown. So, um, it's funny, right? So I say Downriver, Detroit, and only people from Detroit and Michigan go like, "Oh, I know where that's at." Everybody else, it's like, "I'm from Detroit." It's the Detroit River. A Detroit River's north of us, yeah. And there's a Windsor, which that's, is Windsor's acro- across, across the, from Canada. So Windsor is Canada, right? Yeah, so Windsor across but, the bridge, yeah, right? Where the drinking Windsor, age Canada. is nineteen, yeah, right. Not that I would remember that for any good reason, but um, and then yeah, I went to college and uh, you know didn't really care all that much. And you went to Clemson? Is that no, right? I went to Michigan State to went start to with. Spartans, okay, that's right. And then uh, kind of got into some school debt and kind of got lost in what I was doing and trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. And I was so deep in debt that, you know, it was kind of too deep to stop digging. So I had to figure out what <laughs> I was doing. And going. then you met Dave Ramsey. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't meet Dave. I didn't even hear of Dave Ramsey until I moved down south. That was right. much later. Um, no, I actually, I got really scared because I was about 30, 40 grand in debt and had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, just figured I was, you know, just destined to have this awesome job and started scouting out what I was going to do after graduation and realized that I was going to hate it. I was going to make $12 an hour and hate it. What were you planning on at that time? Ah, aquarium curator was my dream job. I did all the Google searches. Actually, it was Yahoo at that time because Google wasn't a thing yet. Um, That ages me right there. Did you have a MySpace account? No, I, I mean, I was around for MySpace, but I'm a like non-social media guy i got you um pen pals kind of like you bill yeah really not yeah no i'm i need to get off i I was in the first tiktok of my life like 30 seconds or what four minutes ago (laughs) that's right um you got to get with the plan man yeah i looked at the plan i decided to cancel it you did well (laughs) well i I know we're going to be talking about data and stuff like that because i thought we're going to talk more like biology and all that sure but uh they say tiktok may be outlawed because People are getting all your information. They're getting all your money. And, you know, it's like, who knows? But it, isn't it amazing how in the last 20 or 30 years, the information, how, how quick it is? It's you not know how, something that's going on in Ukraine or in Egypt, wherever. We know about it within minutes. Revolutionary. Seconds, maybe. Yeah. Revolutionary there for you the go. world. 
Yeah, the idea that news can travel um, through filtered and unfiltered sources is never really happened Fiber before. Fiber optic. Well, it's the it's the phone, it's the Sad it's Facebook, it's TikTok. Think about it before is radio is all controlled by people like yourselves, right? Where it's like you got to control the narrative, TV the same way. Now with social media, if you got an idea and a cellular signal, you can it goes off broadcast like a your ideas. Yeah. Which that's just revolutionary for the first time in mm-hmm. history of the world. Now we have to figure out how to handle it. Right. It's not all good, not all bad, but it's it's a thing. You know what Google's you know what a Google is? It's a one with 100 zeros. That's a Google? That's a Google. I did not know that. Well, you know it now. You learned it on the Mr. Murphy's Girl <laughs> Show. But that is, seriously, if, I, don't know if it's, I don't know if you can Wikipedia it, but that's what a teacher told me. I, I go by what a teacher sure. told me, but one and 100, I mean, I don't have, that's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of numbers, so that covers everything, basically. Yeah. Hmm. One but, Google. But if you can search it, it can be done. I mean, I'm sure there's people who have an ailment and they will go to their i'm not one to go on the internet and look oh, oh i've got a spot on me what what is this? oh it's it's a spider bite. i got bit by a brown recluse one time not you know i thought it was a a tick or something next thing i know i'm losing my leg you know it's like <laughs> please doc um but it is amazing how i for example you go to mtsu back in the day you had to get your cards pulled oh yeah and now if you're going to mtsu you can get on your iPhone and register for school. Yep. As long as you got the money, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, speaking about going to college. So you were in college. You're nearing the end. Yeah. Yeah. So in debt, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I went out and actually, aquarium curator was my dream job based on the internet. Right? <laughs> Can you say the aquarium? Curator. I'm like a curator. Okay. So it's like I think of like an art curator. Like I wanted to take kids around. And teach them why water was cool and why they should care. About the water. Yeah. And so, because all my classes were like, this super cool thing to do. And everything on the internet was like, this is how much money you'll make. And I was like, that's a good number. And <laughs> I like these job responsibilities. So I actually called up an aquarium curator in Detroit. And I was like, listen, I think what you do is awesome. Can I come down and Shadow basically you. tell you how awesome you are and yeah. figure out who your network is and try to borrow it? Right. And... It took me less than two minutes of meeting with that individual to realize that his job was horrible. And my life shattered. Just mm. talk to fish all day, right? Pretty much. Oh, well, <laughs> shovel their poop more like. You right. shovel their poop more than you talk to them. <laughs> and so my world, I was like 40 grand in debt in college, and my world shattered because I had this idea built in my head, and it just got demolished in a matter of seconds. And so I went back to my Michigan State University, and I was like, I am basically... I'm in a corner here. I don't know what to do. And so that's when I started figuring out how to actually ask the question of what do you want to do? Instead of just ask somebody and they say, oh, this area is good to go into. You make lots of money here. You should like this because I met you one time. I had to systematically figure it out. And so I did. And I never told anybody about it because I was embarrassed, to be honest, because I figured I should have had it all put together. If I tell somebody that I don't know anything, it makes me look dumb. So don't tell anybody. So I kind of put this plan in action, and long story short, I get into graduate school and kind of become a professor and do all this, come to MTSU, and within the first six months, I have students coming to my office, some of them in tears, basically telling me the same story that I just told you, except swap them out for me. Wow. 
And that's where this came in, which Kelsey oh, yeah. has in front of her. I end up writing this book. This is one of his books. So this is written to basically me at 17 saying... What's the name of it? Uh, I have to even read it now. How to win at the game of college, practical advice from a college professor. So I wrote that in 2010 to 17 year olds, not to their parents, certainly not to a university. Um, it was written to a 17 year old saying, if you're about to go spend a bunch of money in college, you might want to have a game plan. And this is, I'm guessing you're going to need to put this in hardback and put this in many languages because after COVID, especially right. and with all the social media and with the technology change, Kids are more, kids are loster now. They're than they've very ever been. But they are. Yeah. I mean, I've got two about to enter college, and they're both. I, d- I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, mine just comes down to this: is if you are celebrating where you pay tuition to go to college, and you have no game plan for when you get there, uh, you probably need some help. I tell you, I tell you what, we're going to do. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back with Dr. Ryan Otter, and we'll be talking more. We'll be right back. A moving company you can trust. Next Step Moving. We want to get you from where you are to where you're going with no stone left unturned. We hold ourselves accountable to three pillars of business. Integrity, transparency, and service. Residential and commercial moving, business relocation, and more. Call 615-499-0361 or visit us online at nextstepmovingllc.com. Drake's Barbershop began when local resident Robert Drake opened the business in 1972. Veteran Jason Rigney purchased the business in 2003, and this kept Drake's Barbershop a staple here in Murfreesboro. Jason has kept the legacy alive. Veterans receive a discount for haircuts. You can follow them on their Facebook page at Drake's Barbershop. Old Stone Fort Golf Course is the place for you to get away for the day to play golf. Located right next to the beautiful Duck River and only five minutes from I-24. Whether you're a beginner or avid golfer, Old Stone Fort Golf Course is ideal for you. Golf carts are available and there is a golf shop. You can play nine holes for $9 and kids 12 and under play for free. They are located at 1017 Country Club Lane in Manchester, Tennessee. You can call for a tee time at 931-954-0366. You can also follow Old Stone Fort Golf Course on Facebook. Welcome back to the Mr. Murfreesboro Show. You're listening to me, Bill Wilson, and my co-host, Kelsey Williams, and we are talking with our guest, Dr. Ryan Otter. You're a doctor. I am, yeah. Is that a, a PhD? Or? PhD, dying doctor, yeah. Okay, cool. So we're talk- we were talking as we uh, left for the break. You went to graduate school. I guess you went to Michigan State. Yeah, so I did my undergraduate degree and my master's degree at Michigan State, and then I moved down south and did my PhD work at Clemson in an entirely different space, um, which was toxicology. So I actually moved to South. I moved to Clemson before I even. I, I agreed to go to Clemson before I knew what state it was in. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there was a world kind of renowned scientist that I got connected with, and he offered me a spot to say, "Come on down and interview." And I said, "I'll be there." And I was like, "Where's Clemson at?" 
And I honestly thought it was in the Southwest. I didn't know it was in South Carolina. And so I booked a plane ticket to Greenville, South Carolina and ended up going to college. My PhD worked there. At Clemson. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So. And now you're in toxicology. Yeah. So my PhD was in environmental toxicology. So think um, really environmental pollution of all varieties. And I specialized in water. So a lot of water pollution, both in the U.S. and outside of the U.S., I work on pretty much any type of water pollutant you can think of from um, spill sites to mining to birth control to um, I work yeah. a lot in big industrial places like Detroit and Cleveland. But I also have worked in national parks the same way, um, which I'll be honest, the national parks are way cooler to work <laughs> in. As a field site, if you get a choice, uh, pick the national park. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, environmental toxicology was, was my specialty and still is. And that's a lot of what my, my biology lab here at MTSU does. Mm -hmm. Okay. Bill, you're going to love this. So he works with, what, what is the species? I may have said that wrong. I just brought up Bram recluse. I know. What is the genus? Yeah. So it's a family mostly. They're called tetragnathids. So their common name is the long-jawed orb weaver. So they sound really scary, but they're only about maybe the size of a quarter, even with most of their legs. But they're really special, super special, because they eat almost exclusively uh, bugs that live underwater. So, so bugs live underwater, then at the end of their lives, think of like a mosquito yeah. or a dragonfly, dragonfly or a mayfly. They live 70 to 90% of their life underwater and at the end of their life they go through metamorphosis just like a caterpillar to a butterfly right they grow wings and they leave and right when they leave to go reproduce and end their lives this one of my spiders is right there to get it and eat it so it's a small spider where is it where does it where does it live where is its habitat where so it is called a riparian specialist spider. So a riparian zone is that area right where the water and the land come together. So they live on tree branches right on the water's edge. So if you've ever been in a canoe or a john boat and you've run a boat on shore, these spiders that look like daddy long legs jump on your boat, but they're not daddy long legs. Those are tetragnathid spiders. They walk on the water. Yeah. They're like Peter. Yeah. There, there, there you go. <laughs> It's not their favorite place to be, but they can. But uh, do you know anything about, and this is a change of subject, but it deals with insects. Do you know anything about monarch butterflies? How they uh, come up from South America every 20, I don't know how many years it is, but I just remember monarch butterflies mm -hmm. coming to my grandparents. They had a farm and all these trees were uh, full of monarch butterflies. Man. And what about locusts? Do you know anything about locusts? I know more about monarchs than I do the locusts. Um, but in terms, well, both of them are just massive, just movers around the world, right? So, um, and the memory, the genetic memory that they have to know where they're going, even though they've never been there before, right? Well, they migrate in south DNA. and they go north at a certain time. I guess a body temperature they or yeah. in their brain. In ingrained DNA. This and is what about, urges. What about locusts? I've always heard that in their wings, if it has uh, a W, it means war. <laughs> and I, I, I mean, and a, and a P, P means, means peace. What? You need okay, Kelsey, go, go on, not, please. I'm, no, I'm, I'm being serious. It was no. I don't know if it's an old wise tale, but locusts. And please, y'all, call in. We at used six to catch them and try to look to see if it was a war or a peace. 
And if it, yeah, if it was war, it means there was a war coming on. If it was pay, there was going to be peace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On an individual, I've never heard that. No, that was on the locusts. <laughs> yeah, well, locusts were big. You know, it's that was a big, a big thing back in the day. I guess locusts. Well, they could tear up your. They still do. We, your, I mean, they farmers hated them. Yeah, yeah. not so much in the U.S. but around the world. Yeah, they can devastate they, crop. Yeah, yeah. and uh, those uh, not grasshoppers. They're. Uh, Oh, I don't cicadas? Yeah. No, that's locusts. Well, cicadas, those are the ones that will come out. There's multiple different species that will stay buried for seven years, 20 years. I forget the time windows of those, but um, I've been in Murfreesboro now, what, 15 years. And we were here for one of those where they would come out of the ground. Because I had young kids at the time, and they were freaked out because all these bugs start coming out of the ground. Um, oh. Wow. Okay, so... Earlier, he was explaining how they study these particular spiders because they eat the bugs from the water that spend the majority of their lives underwater, and they can extract. That's right. You can tell them. Yeah. So think of this, this, right? So you're be a bug for me, right? So everybody imagine you're just a bug underwater and you're living your life. You are eating all the things around you, right? And all the pollutants, all the pollution that's in that water and in your food, you take into your body. The same way if you eat extra big Thanksgiving, you pack on a couple pounds, right? Right. So they're eating all of it and they're packing on the pollutants. Now, when they grow wings, go through metamorphosis and leave, all that pollution can go with them. So when they leave and this spider eats it, it's actually following the pollution that was in water onto land. Gets rid of it. And the spider eats it and us as scientists can use the spider to study it. Wow. To see what's in the water. That little bitty spider. Isn't so we cool? found this for the first time, myself and a group of scientists, for the first call. time in 2008. Cool. We have a we have a call. Caller, are you there? I believe I am. Hello. How are Hello. you? <laughs> Thanks for calling in. Who is this? Uh, this is Jim, and I had a question for the doc. Okay. Sure. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, doc, i uh, few years ago, they had the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Wow. I'm pretty sure you're familiar with that. Very aware, yep. I had heard something about there were some kind of microbes that they could release on an oil spill that would eat up the oil and clean the water. And I only heard about it once or twice. Is that is that a fact? Is there any yes. truth to that, or is that just some kind of urban legend? No, not an urban I'll legend. I'll hang up and I'll listen. Uh, I'll hang up and I'll listen to your. To Thanks, caller. Yeah, Jim. Great question. That is absolutely not a myth. That is absolutely true. There are um, groups of bacteria that will chew on. Well, you could think of it as an oil spill, but all an oil spill is is a group of carbon molecules that are put together. Right? It's the same reason why we burn it is to break those bonds and release energy and you know make cars go fast. Right. right? So combustion. bacteria, combustion, that's exactly right. So bacteria, certain species of bacteria are actually specialized to chew on those carbon bonds. So there's some biotechnologists and some um, microbiologists that are trying to help advance the use of those bacteria to actually clean up oil spills. Now, it's really hard to do that in a large area. 
and in particular in different sunlight conditions. But the fundamental principle has been clearly shown to work, that there is bacteria that can chew up oil. Again, it's really hard to do this across a huge spill like Deepwater Horizon or uh, for those that are older, also maybe remember Exxon Valdez I and remember that, that spill. Those things, are are they still leaking, I wonder, in no. some way? No. So that's, well, leaking is a really interesting word, right? So in the end, the idea is to cap them. But to get rid of all the spill that occurred is really hard to tell if you got it all. Right. Um, oil is a really tough one as well because... Once it spills, it's one type of oil. But if you let it sit in the sun, it will actually change to a different type because the sunlight can actually change and break some of those bonds. Right. So you might be looking for oil that looks like X, but after six months or six weeks, it actually looks like Y now. Mm. So, like I'm, I'm picturing my head on top of the water like a rainbow color. Sure, the sheen that the comes sheen. off. Yeah. yeah, it's like... Yeah, the, purple grimy all sorts of colors that's right that's right so we have found all different sorts of ways including biologically with bacteria to try to remediate things like oil spills and we know bacteria is our bacteria are looking for carbon for energy the same way that we eat food for the carbon right bacteria Mm. is eating food for carbon well if we put it next to a buffet dinner and it's engineered and really happy to eat that it's going to eat as much as it possibly can. Wow. Part of the problem with those big oil spills, though, is, is you're in the ocean, right? So now you have the waves coming back and forth. So it would be simple if it was more flat right. and calm all the time. But all this mixing Storms. does not make it easy for something to stay in a specific area like the Gulf of Mexico. Right. Great question. That was BP. Yeah. That, co- that cost a few hundred dollars on that one. A uh, uh, couple, yep. Couple trillion. Couple bucks. Rebellion. Uh, what about, uh, you? I think we had talked about you had studied the ash. There was a, uh, tell us about. Coal ash, yeah. Coal ash that happened in East Tennessee. That's right. And it was at the Wolf Dam? No, so no? this was, um, if anybody here from Tennessee has ever driven down I-40 um, from Middle Tennessee towards Knoxville. East. You only cross one major bridge, um, and when you do, if you look up to the north, you'll see a big coal-burning power plant. That is the Kingston Fossil Coal-Burning Power Plant. In 2009, right before Christmas, December 22nd, um, the largest spill of anything in the inside of the United States land territory uh, happened 1.1 billion gallons of coal ash. ash so think of this you burn a campfire right and the next morning you look at the campfire all the wood is burned but there's still that black ash that's the there car- right? yeah the carbon that didn't burn entirely right. with the fire well when you burn coal for electricity the same thing happens there's still ash left over so the tennessee valley authority tva has right. been burning coal since the 60s so they literally landfilled the ash after burning it for power, and they landfilled it on site. So next to the power plant, they had put all the ash over decades. Decades. And in 2009, uh, 1.1 billion gallons of it broke free and literally filled in 
two or three fishing bays and went into yeah. a river right next to it, the was Emory that, River. It wasn't the Tennessee River. It was the, em- it was Emory, the Emory River. Emory River. That's right. So the Emory River comes south, and then the Clinch River comes, joins with it, and then those two go into the Tennessee. Clinch River reactor. There used to be a nuclear reactor there. And then was it the snail darter that shut down a lot? Look of at it? you. This is fantastic. <laughs> the snail darter was a little fish, and now it's That's off the – it's not instinct, or it's not – there's a word for extinct it. yeah it's not endangered species oh. but that little fish shut down everything man mm-hmm. it shut everything endangered down. species yeah. act yeah yeah so the clinch river is actually right where um oak ridge national labs um and the nuclear work that was done there manhattan project have you re- read about the manhattan project i've read about the manhattan project people don't yes. realize that uh east tennessee oak ridge was like there was a city well, Oak Ridge that helped design <laughs> the A-bomb, right? Or neutron bomb. Was it a bomb or a neutron I, bomb? I don't that, know the details of the physics behind it, but it was absolutely instrumental in fundamental science through yeah, Oak Ridge National Lab. So that river is was actually just upstream, and it came together with the coal ash spill river, the Emory River, and in that where the two rivers meet as a confluence, that was where we worked for years trying to understand, did 1.1 billion gallons of coal ash cause a problem? As far as the after effect, That's whether right. soil, water, you name it. Everything air, living, air. air, fish, fish, all, all the living things. We worked on freshwater mussels there the same way because East Tennessee is a very unique, special place for biology crayfish in particular and freshwater mussels has some of the most diversity of anywhere in north america yeah Hmm. i've heard that and so we were we were part of the team that really helped to try to understand this this spill uh how disastrous was it for how large 1.1 billion it's the largest volume spill of anything and i mean it was i can show you pictures of it it was absolutely um, breathtaking. And are they I still cleaning it up? Are y'all still? Or how? How do you clean something up like that? How you, do you, yeah. or is it over time? It rains. It. Yeah. So naturally? great question is, um, so Tennessee Valley Authority, uh, Environmental Protection Agency, multiple other federal agencies and state agencies. I work with the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency a bunch. Um, First, you have to make sure that whatever was spilled is not going to continue to come into the river. So they, they kind of block that up really quickly. Engineering, right? And then they dredge. Think, imagine a giant vacuum cleaner with a pipe that goes to the bottom of the river. Just they sucked, it, sucked it up, put it onto a barge, and then shipped it away for, oh, don't quote me on this one, but I want to say it was 15 months straight. It's on down the river. All the way up and down the river where all Until of it's Until it spilled. sank. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking, A y'all. giant no call. vacuum cleaner. And um, once, they, once they stop that, it doesn't get 100% of it because, as you said, you're right, is the water that flows down is going to move it around. But we started monitoring it and really starting to figure out the impact of it right away. And we worked on it for three, four years straight in a row. Have, you, have y'all done any studies on the landfill out here as far as – Kelsey, we talked about this last mm-hmm. week. There's a water treatment facility. It's around the <laughs> bend. Here's what I'd like to know, <laughs> listeners. Which came first, the landfill or the water treatment facility? If the water treatment facility came after the landfill, then to me that doesn't make sense. Mm-mm. Why? I mean, you might as well yeah. just go here in the commode and dip the water <laughs> in and have you, have you a drink of this 
nice brown water. Uh, but no, you know, Walter Hill is, is, is a special place. A lot of people from Murfreesboro around the county, different, you used to use Walter Hill Dam to go out. We used to catch gar there mm-hmm. and put them up on the bank and then, and then throw them back in. Of course, we didn't do anything to them, but um, I don't understand how you could put a water facility plant close to a landfill. Now, if the landfill was afterwards, I get it. Yeah, I don't know the history of that, but what you're describing is not unique to Murfreesboro. It's not unique to Tennessee. Um, The whole water recycling world, in particular in the southeast of the U.S., is extremely common uh, because we don't have a lot of mountain snow, and our source of water comes from whoever was upstream of us. And so the kind of connection between drinking water cleaning and wastewater cleaning is very connected. So whatever the wastewater is that you're in, think about who's downstream of you. Exactly. You know, that, and I've talked about this before. People think I'm crazy, just naturally. But anyway, the, <laughs> the wonder if you could take all the trash and shoot it to the moon and have a big... There's nothing living up there, right? I didn't right? see that coming. Not that I know that really of. Mess, I'm, I'm not aware uh, of anything living up there. Would that mess up? I'm sure. Who, who are the big... Uh, Braun, Kev, uh, who's Elon, the Elon Musk. Musk, and who's the other one? Gates or whatever. The, there's a way. If we can get man... Some people still don't believe that man walked on the moon. Some people think Some people the think Earth think it was, is flat. Yeah. <laughs> well, Christopher Columbus made, made us all aware that it wasn't. But the fact is, what if you put a big landfill or a or incinerate somehow, burn it up, and put it on the moon, man. Is that bad? I guess so, the moon probably wouldn't like it too well, would they? The, the man in the moon The man in the moon would, the, would yeah, have a big... T- that, the moon folks would not be a fan. That's probably true. NASA would shut us down, right? <laughs> so there's gotta, there's I want to go back to that. one thing you said that's an important point is we do incinerate quite a bit of waste, in particular in the U.S. right now. Um, as a toxicologist, yeah. um, no, the major the major incineration plants. There is no that I'm aware of. There are no major incineration plants in East Tennessee. They are in other parts, um, in particular in the Southeast. But we use incineration to get rid of. Think of it like the worst of the worst of the worst. And that incineration plant is very different than a normal like burning opportunity. To incinerate something is a much, much, much higher temperature, very specialized facility. And the implications of that incineration are not zero, right? They're right, the ba- basic, basic kind of thermodynamic physics, right? You can't really destroy an element, right? You can't smash an element and have it go away. It just changes form. So... Where it, to your point though, if you really wanted to, and I'm not endorsing this for the record, I'm not endorsing what I'm about to say or MTSU, right? Or MTSU, I speak <laughs> Doctor, not for the university. <laughs> Doctor Murphy's calling me. I'm just <laughs> right. The idea of even if you were to you know build a rocket and ship trash, let's say we skip the moon and just shoot it into you know space, Mars, man, it doesn't go to nothing, right? It goes somewhere. It's floating. It's floating, right? But it's not here. That's the point. Is if right. we get it away from us, then it's better than being around us. But from a, like a universe level, it's not like it goes away. Yeah. It would ricochet Wish. off something, come back and blow us up. <laughs> it land right here in the studio. Right here. What it oh, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> that idea started somewhere. It Carmel, started here Carmel, right here. With Lady K. <laughs> oh, now you get it. Lady K started it. it right. 
That's nice. wild. Nice. Yeah. I've just thought that was kind of wild to have a uh, shoot it off to the moon, man. If my, my guess is if you could make that cost effective, someone would probably uh, seriously think about doing it. But the cost of doing it would be so high. Well, they are. Now, Mike Klassen was telling us about something. He said the city was planning and developing a solution, a non-landfill. I don't know what he called it. Do you remember what he I, called I it? I know we, we talked about it a little bit, but it was like a... But what I understand... From what Mike said, it hasn't really been tested. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you knew anything about that. Have you no. heard about that? No. So I, I know a, a bit about kind of classic landfill technology. Kind mm-hmm. of, And the reason it hasn't advanced very far is because it's it's worked for the most part. I mean, mm-hmm. what, a, what a landfill is conceptually um, is a bathtub inside of a bathtub is how it's kind of engineered so you build a bathtub right where water doesn't leak out then you put another one of those inside cast iron or ceramic right exactly (laughs) right depends on what year different technology different technology the problem is both no matter what the technology is the landfill is never going to be the best engineered landfill and every landfill engineer that i've ever talked to or know will tell you the same thing they're not engineered forever so a great landfill might last 150 years that's great but what happens in year 160, 200, 250 years? Right. We never thought that far. And so the best technology in the world, even a bathtub inside of a bathtub over time goes away. And that's where groundwater leaking comes into. Um, and they were never engineered to last forever. The Lake Chi field. So our Lake technology Chi. is going to have to catch up. It has to. Quickly. Yeah. From a toxicological viewpoint is... It's just a matter of time. And yes, better technology may give you an extra, say, even 100 years. But if we're planning on being around for a while, mm-hmm. right? And we think of kids and grandkids and, you know, multiple generations. It has, I mean, there has to be a technological solution yeah. to improve the technology we used the first time. Because hmm. we know what, what the problem is. It's finding, a, let's talk about the solution. Yep. Finding a solution, I still think it's... Uh, Jackie Gleason. To the, honey, the moon. Honeymooners. To the moon, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> it's a solution, I guess. Put Slim Pickens on. There was a movie, Slim Pickens was on a rocket. I think it was 1941 where he's riding a rocket. But I don't know why I'm going to say this, but you know, the A-bomb, when we dropped, when it dropped in Nagasaki, and this is, it's sad to think that this had to happen in order to derail the, win the war or whatever. Anytime you take a human life, it's bad. So, when it bought, what I understand, the A bomb it dropped. It was like a mile or two up, and then it exploded. See, I'm thinking a bomb hits the ground, it goes in the ground. No, it exploded. And some people were like, we're walking down the sidewalk. They just had a shadow of them left. They evaporated. I mean, but mm. the shadow remained. How does that? I mean, I don't understand how that. How does that work? You are in. You are in a. I'm outside of my realm in that piece. But it is fascinating it just, to me evaporated but the shadow remained how i don't know that's what i mean if somebody knows the answer uh not that we're talking about death and stuff i just always it it amazed me how i mean you can google it and uh there's pictures of Mm -hmm. i mean and what's so wild about that people don't realize the damage it did year i mean they're still years later it's a environmental environmental hazard yeah. I mean, it's bad when you deal with 
small molecular atomic the atomic world yeah i mean this is chernobyl the same idea right is that technology can be harnessed for power whether it be a weapon whether it be for energy um but it is it comes with risk and that risk is not the same as spilling something on a countertop right we're talking Mm -hmm. about in particular like isotopes that can last generations and generations and generations and generations and it is a risk and a benefit and i and i'm not i'm not an advocate for i'm gonna try to be an objective scientist it's what i do professionally and you have to look at both sides there is a risk and there is a benefit and this includes with weaponry for warfare and again for energy technology same as flying a plane or driving a car comes with risk um but those risks are more easily understood than something at a you know subatomic level do you have a lab at your house where you have a bunsen burner and a beaker <laughs> you know beaker from uh the muppets no that's the I, flame I, is on the flame no that's the chef i'm sorry i, I, have, I have labs in the i have labs at the university it, for that i yeah. usually bring it home though a couple <laughs> microscopes you have is test about tubes it. are you like mixing stuff up and then in you the have, lab yeah of course he has two kids at home they would be and they are super nerdy very i bet he's i bet you're good with etch sketch aren't you you're good with etch sketch not bad i'm not yeah. bad my art skills are not good though Okay, tell us more about the Data Science Institute, because sure. that is fascinating as well. Sure, let's go big picture first is data science really wasn't a thing 10 years ago. I mean, literally, it didn't exist. And well, it existed, we just didn't name it that, right? And then with the onset of information, cell phones, iPads, um, really the technological boom of data gathering... Um, social media was a big driver in this thing in terms of how to harness this big information. Um, MTSU, I thought, did a phenomenal job of being a leader in this space and recognizing that this is a corner that's coming. And so about five, six years ago, um, with some very good leadership within the faculty administration, we decided to invest in making data science a priority, a real priority with the university. Mm -hmm. So there is now an undergraduate degree in data science. There's a master's degree in data science. There's a PhD program in computational and data science. So that handles the education. So if you're a student of any age, um, and we have a graduate certificate in data science, which is anybody that has an undergraduate degree in any field at any year is qualified to take it and say, listen, take four courses and learn about the modernization of data technology um, through formalized course development. So that's the programs of data science. Now, I run the Institute of Data Science, which is kind of the other two pillars. So in higher education and universities, there's three pillars. There's academics, there is service, and there is research. And that's kind of like the three-legged stool of academia. So I just described all the programs or the academics. My institute runs the research and the outreach component for data science at the university. So we all work together, but there are directors for each of the academic programs. We meet weekly. They're very close colleagues of mine. But my role is to run the research portfolio and the outreach campaigns for data science. Outreach meaning both to K through 12 education, but also to industries, governments, um, and nonprofit groups interested in partnering with the university. Think of the university as like the middle. Right. And we can go backwards and forwards and sideways because it's kind of a hub for 
it's a community hub is what universities were designed to be. And I think that MTSU fills this role pretty well. And in data science, we're trying to be a leader and uh, awesome. we are. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So talk about the app you've created because this was very very interesting. Sure. This is all really cutting edge pieces. This is, we only went public with this a couple months ago. Um, we have a couple workshops coming up with teachers from Rutherford County and surrounding counties coming up, but the website is playwithdata.org. So just www.playwithdata.org brings you to a free and publicly available site that my team and I have worked very hard to build. It has 12 apps on it. You can use it on your phone, the same as on a computer. And what it does is allows you to pick a topic. And we have 12 different topics from which college you might want to go to, to mercury in the environment, to species of the world, all different topics where if you click on the apps, I created a database that you can interact with. It's seamlessly with no instructions. And you don't have any degree difficult. in background. It's, it's not, very easy. Can you take it to class when you're taking a test? Can you? <laughs> if I've designed I'm this sorry. right, this will replace it. I love that question, right? Because Cliff Notes. It is hopefully They a, saved me. Oh, this is this is going to be the next evolution of it, if we do this right. Okay, probably, hold that thought. We want to hear more about it, but yeah. we gotta take a break. Hey, it's Bill. Did you know I also sell for Parks Real Estate? Meredith Thomas and I make up the Thomas Wilson team. We have over 25 years of real estate experience and have helped nearly 1,000 families buy and sell real estate here in Murfreesboro, Rutherford County, and Middle Tennessee. Why not choose us to help you and your family with all your real estate needs? Give us a call at 615-406-5872 or 615-896-4040. Or you can follow me at Mr. Murfreesboro on Facebook or Instagram. Curb them, crack them, or bend them. We can mend them. Come by Wheelworks, located 516 South Church Street. For a free estimate, we also sell performance and passenger tires, as well as aftermarket and factory wheels. We also install lift kits, and we've been sponsoring and serving this community for 15 years. Come see us at Wheelworks at 516 South Church Street, or give us a call at 615-849-3848. Rhonda McCrary has been in the mortgage business for 29 years. She was voted as a favorite mortgage loan officer in the 2018 and 2019 DJ Ruthie Awards, and she's a proud member of the Middle Tennessee State University 1989 graduating class. She specializes in all types of mortgage products and takes pride in going the extra mile and personally taking care of her customers. You can visit her at 1639 Medical Center Parkway, Suite 203 here in Murfreesboro. Reach her by phone, 615-419-9193, or even apply online at loansbyrhonda.com. You're listening to the Mr. Murfreesboro Show tonight with Bill Wilson, Mr. Murfreesboro himself, Lady Kay, and our guest in studio is Dr. Ryan Otter. Welcome back. We are just in the middle of getting the details on your app. Remind us again how to get there. Yep. Playwithdata.org. www.playwithdata.org. We'll put you right there. State of the art right here. It is 
it is using a lot of really cool cutting edge technology. So you do not need an instruction manual. I, I challenge anybody to go to it and play around. Very and user What's the cost on it? Zero. How'd you underwrite it? That's what I want to know. This is a development project of the Institute to... Pell Grant. Nope. Nope. I fund this out of funds within the Institute um, because I believe part of our role in a university is to help K through 12. I think you're right. That is part of our role. It's not just to wait for their students to graduate and come to us. It's to help them progress so they are better off no matter where they go to college. Prep. 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 Correct. I, I feel very strongly about that. And um, again, from the writing of the book piece to this uh, set of apps, which again, I, I really encourage people to try it out. We've been very successful with, think of it like PowerPoint or a slideshow that you've seen. No matter how old you are, you've been in a classroom. If someone needs a chalkboard film or, or a film strip <laughs> or a PowerPoint, you do not get to interact with it as a student. You sit and watch and get told this is the important stuff. Right. We're trying to flip that model and actually put the data exploration in the hands of students. And what teachers can do is ask the question of what did you find rather than here's what you should have found. It entirely flips, flips the question. And we've built with the apps that we're very confident. And I test tied this with my own kids. Kelsey knows this. You um, test your own kids. They are you the, got it wrong, They are the junior. beta testers in my house. <laughs> if, I, if we develop something new, my kids are going to be first on it. And when they, my rule is I hand it to them and I walk away. And they go, Dad, I'm not sure how this works. I just figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, I didn't do my job well enough. They don't get a kickback from the pro season. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they get they get a sixty percent of zero every time. Zero. <laughs> that math works out at my advantage every time. But they're determined to what break it. Or... I will pay them if they can break it. That's right. I will pay my kids if they can break the apps. And we were talking earlier. It's kind of like uh, Cliff Notes on steroids. Probably a lot more i mean cliff notes was just a certain uh arithmetic or rating or what but i just remember they were yellow oh, and yeah. black like this like you're a i've got, lady I've got the cliff notes yeah. for being a, a co-host yeah but cliff notes <laughs> man now. that was a big thing but this sounds like you literally if you're a student you could use this to help it you would benefit from it. So think about this, right? With cliff notes it's telling you here's the short answer to questions someone's going to ask you Right. So yeah. if someone asks you, you know, who are the main characters in Tom Sawyer, right. Cliff's notes are going to tell you main characters. What Play With Data does is something very, very different. It says, here's a bunch of information, a bunch of that's very specific on one topic. You click whatever you think's interesting about it, and then you look at it and go, wait a second. So what you're telling me is that there's more people that live here with with this sort of uh, weather pattern, or there's more pollution in this area versus this area over time. I wonder why that is. Right. And that's what we're trying to get into kids' minds is to ask the question of, but wait, why? Rather than tell me the answer I need to memorize. And what Cliff's Notes really good is telling you what you need to memorize. What yeah. we're trying to do is engage the exploration and the question of, but wait, why? Let them come up with the answer. And let the teachers be kind of the tour guide through it rather than here's the information you need to memorize. Exactly right. So we're trying to flip this model. And instead of saying, go do it, we're trying to build the tools and giving them to teachers for free. 
Wow. Look at you. You ended up being the aquarium curator it, of life. This is, there's a little bit of water in there, so I can pay it off for it. I like it. So have you been to the Chattanooga, the Tennessee Aquarium? Have you been down there? Multiple times. Beautiful. If you ever want to go in there with like a buzz bait and try to catch one of them. I want to get my scuba gear on <laughs> and go good. dive with the sharks. There's some big uh, fish down there. You know, if uh, you go to the Atlanta Zoo, you can actually pay money and you can go uh, with the sharks. At the Atlanta, the big one. We, Meredith and I had gone down to the Chatt. We went to Chattanooga uh, another couple. This is I don't know last summer sometime. We went to. The, I wanted to go to the zoo. I just like animals and stuff. But we're walking around and they've got this. I got that. And I look over there and there's a. Uh, it's a blackbird. It says American blackbird. I'm like they're out there on the telephone. Pole. <laughs> wow, American blackbird here at the Chattanooga Zoo. <laughs> emo phillips here but uh yeah i'm like come on chattanooga y'all cleaned it up down there but you gotta do better with your mm-hmm. uh, zoo birds yeah step up their game you're saying they're yeah, a little step behind up the game <laughs> or and i'm over here talking about cliff notes do they even have cliff notes anymore? they do i don't know that i think it's google is that is that what google is now well that's what i'll say you can just get on your phone and google something there's your answer but is it the truth okay so i problem i really like your app i really like the angle that you're going and you're you've beta tested this with some teachers and they like it too yeah and we talked about this earlier what a great response and alternative to i can't you knew the app that where people are able to type in write me an english paper you know 100 words or less that would be a short english paper but yeah so the newest technology which if i i I promise you everybody listening now in the next five years you will be aware of this if you're not aware of it already is called chat gtp chat gtp what's that stand for oh now you're gonna make because i forget what the g is and this is artificial intelligence it is artificial intelligence that's exactly right i think um and we've only got a few minutes but i think you know we were talking earlier about uh warfare this is the the big thing now uh if somebody's going to interfere with us it's going to be through our data information our banking accounts our water water system all controlled by computers yeah you mess that up you got to have water uh things that control the water the air i mean mm-hmm. chat gtp generative pre-trained transformer so here's what it really means it's artificial intelligence think of it like siri on your phone or a call center except it's not just giving you back to memorized responses anymore it's actually creating new responses in real time like the cloud what about the cloud that's where information <laughs> stored that's just where it's stored but what you put up there is stored as you put it up there. What this is doing is it's finding new links and crosses that have never been put together before where the cloud just is like a bucket you can store things in. This is taking many different buckets. When you ask it a question, it's not just finding the answer. It can create new answers that have not been put together before. So, Bill, now you don't have to pay someone to write your papers. You just have to get on this app. And And this app creates a... They create a paper. Unplagiarized. I've done it. it. It works. It's like sounds like the Wizard of Oz. You just ask a question, Mm -hmm. and the guys back there like. But it's not perfect. Let's don't get. It is not always correct. It's not perfect. The system, the system works, but it doesn't mean the answers are always correct. Mm -hmm. So you can write a paper. It probably might sound like a sixth grader wrote it though. (laughs) Students, are you listening? (laughs) Which may be an A plus, anyways. Who knows? It's been good stuff, Kelsey. You've done 
you did good on this one. I know. He's he's my neighbor too. I know. Thanks for And his wife him. is just as sweet and nice. They're the best neighbors. Is there a way we can get a uh, tour of the data science? Sure. It, well, I'd like to go check that out. I, I'll show you the science building as much as I'll show you the data science component because the actual uh, kind of toxicology, biology, chemistry world actually is, I would say, from a engagement viewpoint, especially at MTSU, the facilities we have are top-notch. Wow. Wow, wow. Let me give some shout-outs here. Yeah. Hey, Glenda. Hey, Brenda. Hey, Bill Couch. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. P Patel. Hey, Barry. Hey, Martha. Hey, Michelle. Glad you're all watching. We had a great time. Hey, Becky Clark. <laughs> I'm just going down here. <laughs> this has been awesome. Uh, we need to have... We didn't really get to cover a lot of stuff, but we did cover a lot of stuff just in a short period of time. Will you come back? Yeah, will you Happy come back? Happy to. Yeah, this is... I, you know, It's hard for me not to get excited about... Um, Hearing yourself on the radio. Right. Okay. <laughs> I love my own voice. It's great. I've got the face for it. That, that's what my wife told me. No, I just it's there's so much cool stuff going on. And um, yeah, just how do you not enjoy? I really enjoy what I do and engaging with as much as can the community. Thank you so much. Kelsey, thank you. Jackson, thank you. You've been listening to the Mr. Murfreesboro Show here on WGNS, 1450 AM and 101.9 FM. Everybody, go out and do something, something nice for somebody. Too. God bless you. Thanks, Lady Kay.